Welcome to World is Cool. This week, I chat with my friends Rachel Barlow and Heather Vike, the owners of River Mill Coffee Company. They take time out of their busy day to sit down with me in their shop, and we chat over an amazing cup of coffee. We talk about their paths from teachers to friends to owning a small business. If you enjoy our conversation, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. Also, if you could give World Is Cool a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, it helps others like you find this podcast. Well, hello, Rachel and Heather. How are you guys doing today? Good. Very good. I am so excited to be chatting with you guys. We've been trying to get this on the books for so long. Weeks. Weeks and weeks. So I wanted to chat with you guys because you are young entrepreneurs in a rural community. Uh, Two ladies that own a beautiful coffee shop in a small town. How did you guys get to, you, you're both school teachers, were, um, how did you get to run in a coffee shop? So kind of, one of you go introduce yourself and then kind of um, tell us how you got to the coffee shop. Well, I'm Rachel Barlow, live in Ewing, Nebraska, from Orchard, taught for 10 years and met Heather, let's see, four years ago? Well, met a long time ago, but uh, when we moved our kids to Pope John, um, that's when I really got to know her. And just through getting to know her, we were just on this journey together and um, had talked. Like, we just felt like we were meant to do something more. We were on a faith journey. We, like, just got each other. Yeah. Just the same place with our kids, same place in our faith, same, just really enjoy being around each other and... You know, just through conversations, you're like, gosh, what, what else could we do something? What else could we do? It's so easy to dream together. Yeah, very easy to dream together and just think outside the box a little bit and be like, what else is out there? What made you decide not to be a teacher anymore? Well, for me, like, it's going to kind of sound crazy, but like last July, I was, we had had conversations about a coffee shop in the past. We had had conversations about doing some writing together, mm-hmm. but I was sitting on my back patio reading this Magnolia magazine, doing some devotions and different things, and I just, I read the quote from Chip, and it said something like, you'll never know, because risk has always been scary, right? It's been a, a fearful thing, and it this, and for me, that's how I always associate risk, And but he said something like, you never know the reward the risk is or what good can come from taking that risk. And just sitting there thinking about that, I'm like, yeah, it could be like an amazing thing if we actually put a coffee shop, like let's Took do a coffee risk. shop. And like fill your cup came to my head and I texted Heather right away and I'm like, I think we need to open a coffee shop, even though it's something we kinda of talked about before, but we not seriously. We've been throwing it around. Yeah, we had been throwing it but around. But it was like we need to we like we need to do the coffee shop idea. Yeah. And it was just that moment I'm like, okay. I've been thinking about trying to find something else to do and getting out of teaching. And then I just I you know, fill your cup, coffee shop. We could that could be kind of the starting point uh to get us going with more writing, uh photography somehow and uh I was like, Okay, I think I think this is something we could do. I'm just, but we're going to have to jump in. And I was all in. I'm, I'm like, let's do it. This is, this could be potentially my last year teaching. Like that's, that's, that's okay. That's it. Heather, what brought you to, to a coffee shop? You have a long journey of teaching and being a mom and now you live in a coffee shop basically. Yeah. <laughs> Actually before teaching, I was in like the psychology social work setting. Went to teaching. I love teaching. I wasn't looking to get out of teaching. It was just, there was something, my heart, like, was in it for a lot of reasons, but didn't feel like it's where it was supposed to be for a lot of reasons. And just, like, having so much, so much, like, of that kind of, I don't know, some people call it being a dreamer, but it's just, I think, stifles creativity that was, like, sitting in me. That really made me feel a little unsettled, but I don't know, like, you, you could go into the logistics of it, like, yeah, um, as far as, like, day-to-day life goes, it was getting hard to be 
be around kind of behavioral management and children all day long and come home to my own kids and be able to enjoy them and to be the mom that I really wanted to be towards to them. But then there's just like the, the heart side of it where we truly felt we were being called to do something else. Like it wasn't even so much a personal choice as it was being called and, and just to answer the call to, to try something different. Does that, I, I don't think I answered your question though. Well, so no, I think, I think you did. So you grew up around here, right Heather? Neely's my hometown. Neely's your hometown and, and Rachel, you grew up in Orchard, so 30 miles ish apart. Took you guys a couple decades, we're not going to say how many, uh, <laughs> to find each other. It seems like a kind of a match made in heaven, right? Like mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. You guys seem to, to just like gel together. So, you, so your backgrounds are both teaching. And I did not know that you had a psychology background, mm-hmm. Heather. Rachel has done a bunch of photography. And I learned the other day has a horticultural degree. So you guys both were teachers, which I imagine is really hard in a small town where everybody knows everybody and you can't escape being a teacher. That's so true. <laughs> yeah, you're Mrs. Barlow everywhere you go. You know, when you see the kids, which is fine. It's, um... Yeah, there's sides to it that I think that teachers can relate to, but, like, other people don't really recognize being a teacher in a small town. Like, you never can really turn it off everywhere you go. You know, you kind of have to, like, professionals have to be professionals everywhere, but then, you know, you're doing the best you can in the classroom and your whole heart's in it. But it's not always understood either. Being a teacher and being a mom of multiple children too, like you're expended all the time. Um, You're expended as far as like going home and cooking supper and getting meals, laundry done and meals made and homework done. And, but you've spent till seven o'clock in your classroom trying to do the absolute best you can for your students as well. And expending yourself to your students all day. And then from the outside looking in, I don't know. I mean, and maybe it's just a pressure I put on myself, but you always kind of feel like there's a standard expected of you where you just need to keep giving more. And um, it's kind of a, it's it's a setup for burnout. And I don't know if some people are just better at turning that off than others, but I was not good at turning that off. (laughs) So... You, you talk about the, the amount of time, right? But doesn't being an entrepreneur take at least that much time? Probably more. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like, it's this a, is your baby. And, and like yeah. your classroom obviously was something you put your heart into. But I think it's different when there's, there's not the external pressure. It's like this. From the parents, from the community. Yeah, kind of this drive coming up through yourself that's just like coming out. And it's more of an internal drive than it is, I feel like I have these expectations put on me that feel unrealistic rather than, like, I know I can do this. Like, like I have these visions, and I know, like, these visions are, like, coming to me for a reason. And just, like, doing the actions and the vision coming alive is very, like, kind of life-giving. I don't know if that makes sense, but... Oh, totally, totally. Yeah. So, you decide one night on a whim, mostly, uh, that you are going to uh, have your cup runneth over and have a (laughs) coffee shop. And you guys bought, and we're sitting in the coffee shop, and and I'm looking around, and this is not the bottle shop, the the liquor store that I remember it being when I was a kid. You get your idea, right? Mm -hmm. What's the next step? Well, I... Was it convincing your spouses, or... The vision didn't stay the same the whole time. Like, the vision kind of kept evolving. Okay. Yeah, and and I can remember thinking back, I'm like, this place is for sale for a long time, and I had, I just would always drive by, I'm like, gosh, it's such a cute little place. It's just a, that cute front porch, with that front porch, but never put coffee shop with it. But I think once we had the conversation about opening the coffee shop, and it being in Neely, because you had this on your heart. This, yeah, this place, I was like, that's, that's what it's going to be. And I was worried about the size. I was like, okay, if we make this work, like everybody, like, of course, we, if we do a coffee shop, like, we have to be the 
drive through work. So I was like thinking logistically, like, how do we make this work? Is it really the right place? And you were thinking aesthetically mm-hmm. and like, this is it. Like I can see this. Yeah. Oh, I can see so, it. Yeah. From the get go. So you picked the spot. Did you ever ask your spouses that you were going to quit your jobs and open a coffee shop? No, not at first. We, <laughs> no, no, honestly, no. We, were, we were like, we're going to do this. And I think we knew in our hearts that it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Like we were like, we see the dream. We know this is real. And it was almost like so real to us. We didn't want to share it because we didn't want anybody else's doubts. We didn't want anybody else's input. We didn't want anybody else's like as even as far as like we believe you can make this happen or we we think this is a bad idea because we knew it so strongly in our hearts that I think it was almost sacred for a little bit. Yeah. There was no fear, no worry. It just felt like what we were supposed to do. do. I was sitting on my couch working on the business plan and my husband walks through and he goes okay like so what are you and Rachel working on and I'm like um a business plan which doesn't surprise him at all because I've always had I'm like this would be a great business idea this would be a great business idea but I'm a teacher so I like never acted on it so truly don't think it surprised him at all um he goes really and I go yeah and he goes for what and I go a coffee shop in Ealing and he just talked to me, turned around, and he goes, that's a fantastic idea. And so for, I don't know, as far as, as far as that went, it was really easy with Adam. He was so supportive from the get-go. He's like, Neely seriously needs something like that. And he was awesome. Was Mike equally supportive? <laughs> Not off the bat, I would say. I was in here that I watched him hang a light, and he was very into hanging the light. He's behind it now. Like, yeah. he sees the vision now. Yeah. You know, but we... Like, Mike, or Mike's self-employed, he farms, so obviously when I was teaching, I provided the insurance, had the monthly paycheck, you know, we had the stable income, so that's just kind of where his, where he was from, so now I have to provide, I had to go find insurance, you know, yeah. we don't have the... Which is a big deal. It is, it, like, yeah. it locks a lot of people into an occupation, just trying to keep benefits. Right, it, no, yeah. it totally does, and, and, and we were actually just talking about this the other day, and there's a number of people who work in the public school system that work there for 10 months a year. They take home basically nothing, maybe dollars. We're not even talking hundreds of dollars because they're paying for their family's insurance. And then for two months of the year, they're paying the school so that they can keep their insurance. Mm-hmm. Like, it's crazy. But that's a whole other con- health yeah, insurance is a whole other conversation for a whole other time. <laughs> yeah, yep. um, I can get really passionate and go down a rabbit hole here. Um, <laughs> so you guys picked the site, mm-hmm. wrote the business plan, then told the husbands. <laughs> mm-hmm. Picked the site, wrote the business plan, told the husbands, and then what's the next? Started looking for financing. Did that take the the form of? Like economic development help? Did it take the form of a big old bank note or? I think we contacted that economic development in town. Yeah. To see what they had. We talked to the chamber. Uh, Lauren Sheridan with the city chamber was, gosh, she's like hands down. Her and Bree in the same office are absolutely amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. They put us in contact with the Rural Economic Advancement Program. Did I say that? The program where you... With the, with the Center, Center, for Center for Rural Affairs. Center for Rural yeah. Affairs, yes. And so, and we got in touch with Lori from Center for Rural Affairs. She was amazing. Then we ended up being in communication with kind of like a financial, looking at financial projections, financial assistance, and all of it. Like, it just all kept falling into place, and these resources all just kept falling in our lap, and one thing just kept leading to another... We talked to them first, then we went and kind of figured out what we could do with them, then went to the bank, talked to the bank about what we would, we would need for a bank um, note, mm-hmm. and yeah, and then they all they all had communication with each other, they all kind of worked with one another, and that, that was the longest piece, because yeah. there's a lot of communication that has to happen, there's a lot of paperwork that has to happen, there's a lot of approval that has to happen, it was a long process, but seriously worth every step 
Well, and I feel like when you talk about everybody working together, I feel like that's kind of unique to our small towns, right? Yeah. Like the small town banker knows you. So they have a vested interest in making sure that you're successful. So they're working closer with, with the Center for World Affairs people. Everybody just kind of works together and, and cheerleads you on. Yeah. And our, our personal experiences, like the banks we first went to, really deal with a lot of agriculture. And so looking at the liability of giving a note for a small business is, feels more risky towards, to them. Which to me, a, a field of crops that could get leveled with by a tornado seems like way riskier. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, totally I am agree. not in the agri- yeah. agriculture industry. Yeah, <laughs> which is understanding. So, like, we kind of had a few small bumps in the road with going with the bank, but we found a local and area bank that was able to, like, they just kind of generally, they're like, yeah, like, we, we see this, we see the need for it, we see your vision. They and trusted the vision. Like, they trusted the vision, yeah, which was. Gosh, when you're going through something like this and you have people like trusting your vision and seeing your vision and being so excited about the vision, Mm -hmm. it just is like, I mean, to feel supported is like one thing, but like to feel supported and understood and, and have the backing just meant so much. I feel like if the two of you were very passionate about an ice cube, you could sell that to us, right? Like, I feel that you guys just have that energy, so. That's fine, thank you. So you guys... Get financed. Are you still teaching at this point? No. Okay. Yeah, they call us retired teachers. I'm like, wait, I was not even yet. Retirement <laughs> benefits. Right. <laughs> Sign me up with the pension. Yeah. yeah. So where are you at from opening at that point? Are you a month before you open, or how we long? We thought so. <laughs> well, and like we it all we started like we we accepted an offer on the building in October of twenty. 20, but didn't close until April 2nd, Good Friday, 2021. Well, that's not a sign. Uh, well, and when we accepted the offer, we were at our favorite and concert. We were at our favorite concert. Like, just the things that happened were uh, at a concert for one of our favorite groups, listening to a song that is very meaningful to us on the top of Rachel's so it was an outdoor concert because of COVID. <laughs> so yep. everybody was like sitting on the roof of the cars. We were sitting on Rachel's expedition on the roof. Mm-hmm. And I got I on fire. There's a realtor. And I'm like, it's Sandy. And I'm like, why would you call again? So it was like 7.30 in the evening. I don't know. Friday night. And she's like, hey, just wanted to let you know. And like just kind of some crazy. The way things played out were just kind of crazy. But yeah. Offered. Just it. we were concert the song that was like the most meaningful to us at that time and and this all happened and we're we're like that's it like we're opening a coffee shop when we found all this out so it was kind of a special moment we had a good friend there taking pictures of us we were like (laughs) (laughs) so that's october Mm -hmm. you then Paperwork, financing, all this stuff, and COVID, right? Yeah. And so teaching, that been teaching the, during COVID. Teaching. teaching. During COVID. Mm-hmm. So you're about to open a business that requires people to be in it. Uh-huh. And COVID's happening. How, how did that, did you not freak out a little bit? or? It scare me. Like we, that that's but, the crazy thing. Like, like we there's just been no. We, we would have to work work around it, but we were like, like figure it out. Yeah, but we also no had worry. like business. We've also been working with a business mentor too, who is like an owner of a Brighton coffee shop in Omaha, and just talking to him, like they opened like their opening date was like two weeks after COVID hit and all of those like shutdowns had happened. Oh God, and. And they made it. And so I just, I was never like, oh gosh, what do we do with COVID? Like they literally opened immediately following like shutdown of the whole world. And I think when, when stuff like that's happening, the world seems upside down and all of this abnormalcy is happening. Like what do people need? People need like, they need comfort, they need warmth and they need community. Like just things that, those things that calm people 
and I don't know, it's just like a coffee shop is like, it's a place of community. Whether you're driving through the drive-thru or not, you know, you're like seeing a face. You, you're getting something that calms you, that comforts you, that brings you warmth. You know, it's just, I mean, I don't know if an ice drinker qualifies for that, but. <laughs> I, I love that all this symbolism of, of the cup of coffee that, that you guys see. I don't know that everybody sees that when they go through a Scooters or a Starbucks or, or even when they come in here, that, that if everybody understands the passion behind your cup of coffee. Yeah. Well, and like, fill your cup, Kate, that, that's kind of like our first name, but just in it. For like, people are not going to get it. Like, let's go to fill your cup. Yeah. Like, okay, we but it was meant to be fill your cup, fill your spiritual cup, fill your physical cup, fill your mental cup. Like, yeah. we want to be all that. Well, and it's a, it was almost like a calling on our hearts, like, Go fill your cup. Like, go fill your creativity cup. Go fill your ambition cup. Go fill your, your cup of, like, all the all the drives you have inside you. Yeah. Like, go fill that up. And then fill other people's cup up, too. Because, like, that's all of the ambitions we had were to, like, fill other people's cup, too. Like, I don't know. We just wanted to bring love to people. We wanted to bring comfort and acceptance and, and I don't know, just just love <laughs> to other people. So it was kind of like all the ambitions we were like kind of striving for fell into, we can provide all of this in like this place of community. So, so we are at, you got an <laughs> offer. You, you guys yep. end up closing on good Friday, which is April ish, right? April 2nd. You finish your school year in May. Mm-hmm. We thought we'd be open by July 1st. <laughs> So just what, joking. <laughs> what hap- What what goes on between April second and when you guys do get to open in August? Well, we close April second, and, we, April and they gave us like the sold side. We come hang out the sold side. We hang out on the front porch for a little while, and then we come inside. We we go buy masks and gloves, and we <laughs> come inside and we literally start tearing the place down. Yeah, me and her. Just Heather and Rachel. We gutted it and threw it at the dumpster all by ourselves. Just the two of us. It was filthy. But it was the ceiling. so good. All on the third. On the third. The next day. Nice. Well, we did the ceiling ourselves. We had help with the walls and the floor. Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you go back to the pictures and documentation. <laughs> yeah, tore things apart. And then we just kind of had to wait for contractors yeah, and then it's lined up. It's all like sitting there. We have everything we can do ready, and we're like, "Here we go! It's gonna go so fast!" And then we wait, Hurry up and wait, wait for some on other people to like, yeah, just it's the world of contractors. So. so you guys get all your contractors through, and I remember seeing everybody's different trucks as I drove by, and I'm just waiting and waiting for the coffee shop to open. You get to August. You guys open. September 27th. I feel like it was so much earlier than that. Yeah, we did a pop-up in July for the 4th of July. Um, But yeah, we didn't get doors open until September. So what took the longest in that process? Between closing and getting open, what what are... Waiting for cement and then waiting for drywall. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, because we had equipment was ordered and ready by end of June. Like we yeah. had a lot of stuff ready. Just couldn't put it together until everybody else was ready. So you guys finally get to open. Uh-huh. And July rolls through. August rolls through. <laughs> September's almost done. You, you get to open. Tell me about that first customer that walked through. The first paying customer that walked through. <laughs> we know who it was. We have the ticket hanging on our refrigerator in the bag. Yeah, well, and even just like that morning, we took a picture of the open sign. It was dark. We were here like at five o'clock because we were so excited and we're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? What's going on? What do we do now? <laughs> like, it's done. I, that picture, I go back to that picture all the time. I'm like, wow, what a, what a freaking journey. Yeah. <laughs> and like, it really was, though. Um, but there's no, no worries, no fears. Like, I wasn't nervous for people to come in and start. Well, we kind of practiced that next that week before. We had a soft opening at a soft where we didn't want to like open the doors and be like, oh, we needed to figure out a point of sale and we needed to practice 
um, we needed understanding people who would come in. So we just called some local businesses and we were like, hey, we're kind of quietly open, just doing a soft opening this week. If you want coffee, like we're here, we want to open it up to a few businesses here in town. And so like the first couple of days was kind of like, okay, like had some orders to do and people would take it and take it back to their business. And we were able to like go, okay, we need to fix this in our point of sale and we need to fix this. And by the end of the week, what were like people caught word. And by the end of our soft opening, like unofficial opening, we were out of, gosh, we were out of chai. We were like, what just happened? Frappe mix, I know. We were out of so many things because we just never could have dreamt that it would have caught word like that. And then, so our first official opening day was the September 27th, but we had had a practice week before that. So the number of times I've been in here, I don't think I have ever seen it not busy. Did you guys expect that? Was it, was that, no. I mean, part of the business plan, you know, is, is we're on Highway 275. There's lots of cars that drive by every day. I think once you told me the number that goes each direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There isn't another coffee shop for 40 miles in any direction. But did you imagine the, the amount of people that would come through the, the first few weeks? Even, even today, two months later, it's still busy. We thought we'd be able to sit down and be like, okay, now let's write a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, coffee shop's open, time to write a book. Yeah. No. I had I had no idea what to expect. I think no, it was way more than what I imagined. Yeah, we thought maybe like us and one other employee would be mad heat. We have a couple ladies helping us in the kitchen. We have Heather John who we told hey, would you be willing to work a few hours to help us get open? And here she is, like, full-time. <laughs> yeah, and she's, she's uh, just really, like, doesn't – she's in a position now where she doesn't need to be working right now, at least for us. And she's so good with the flow, too. She's so, like, yeah. She's like, okay. Yeah, she's been amazing. And we – yeah, we've got a couple, like, high school girls that work part-time hours right now, and they're retired, so we kind of, like, weekends. And so how that will be helping us more – yeah, I just, I didn't even imagine, like, we'd be up to the number of employees that we are right now. What are the things that, that you see now that you're just, like, smack yourself on the head and you're like, duh. Like, things you'd change, things you'd do different, or, or is it all just serendipitous, serendipitously fell into place? I, I don't know if serendipitous is, like, the right word, but really, like, everything's really happened exactly the way it should. Like, it hasn't been perfect, but it's been kind of like slow and like, okay, we tried it this way. Now let's try it this way. And we just really learned a lot. But in order to learn that, like we had to experience everything that, like we've been here from 530 in the morning till 1130 at night. You know, the hours I think is probably a little more, the time we've spent here is maybe a little more than what we anticipated, but that's okay because we were in the thick of it. We were, making drinks all day and then oh yeah we have to do all the business stuff yet and the baking stuff yes but yeah but it's okay because now we know yeah it's kind of it had to be part of the process yeah so now we know and I think we knew that in the time too like we knew this is really like it wasn't hard it was exhausting like this is so exhausting right now like it still felt good still fulfilling still, still fulfilling like it wasn't bad there was there was like never a point where we're like, what do we do? We never, we never should have done this. Like, yeah. it just felt like not this, yet. Yeah, physically. <laughs> it was just like we have to get through this part that is very exhausting and very like I say challenging, but it wasn't like scary. It wasn't like scary, or, bad, challenging. It was just like we know this is a step in the process. Yeah. Um, Year one of opening a brand new business. Yeah, a couple days ago, we were just support. like so sleep deprived. We had tears and stuff. <laughs> But never like, never like, what are we doing? I can't do this. Just like, I'm really exhausted and I'm really excited to get to the part where we get more rest. <laughs> so and we're, 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 we've entered that part now. We're kind of finding our flow and we're finding like what works and what doesn't work. And we're maximizing kind of our employee time better, knowing what we need to delegate to others so we have time to do what we need to so we're not here. 
like many, many hours. And um, still a lot. I still drive by at six o'clock at night to see if your car is out there. Um, it's getting better. Yeah. <laughs> I left when it was light, like once or twice last week. Yeah. <laughs> Which is saying something. It's uh, winter in Nebraska. It gets dark at like three mm-hmm. in the afternoon. Yeah. Oh. So you guys have mentioned that you have a business mentor. Yeah. That is a coffee shop in Omaha. How did that come about? How did that come about? I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, did you just, like, walk into a coffee shop and you're like, hey, you're my mentor now? No, I was sharing. So I have, uh, Adam and I have a really good friend in Omaha. There's a couple, and they they own some businesses in Omaha. She used to be a nurse and went into the business world. And I, she was one of the first people I shared the coffee shop um, venture with because I just knew she would get it. And I knew she would be super supportive and like just be nothing but go for it so we were sitting there talking and I was sharing with her the kind of just vision of um Riverboat Coffee Company and she said oh my gosh this is like the same vision as my coffee shop that I go to like my favorite coffee shop so I was like no way she was talking just how like they're really about community and loving people and people sharing their stories and they have mic nights where people come in and just sing and lots of fun stuff like that so which because I was sharing with her you know all of the above plus wanting to share the art wanting people to come in and do like just like come in on a Saturday and sit in the chairs and play your guitar or come like bringing your artwork and and display your paintings or your drawings um, just to kind of Rachel's very into art and the creative arts so just another way we wanted to like love on people and creativity and inspiration and stuff so we are we were talking and she's like oh yeah I, I know the owner his name's Dan come down to Omaha and I'll put you guys in touch so actually the same concert we were at when we got the phone call that we were going to be able to purchase the building. We went down there for the concert, and that same weekend we met with Dan, who's the owner of Stories Coffee Company, and we just had some really great conversation and shared um, our visions and kind of like what we were thinking, and he shared like some great business sense with us, and found out he's from um, O'Neill. Yeah, and th- so through the conversation, we found out he was originally from O'Neill. And that his dad roasted his coffee. His dad still lives in O'Neill. And that's the coffee that they use at Stories. And that, is that the coffee you use? Yeah, so this is the coffee we use. Jimmy okay. Coffee. Um, Jim Lassenheiser from O'Neill. His son is Dan Lassenheiser, who has become kind of like our business mentor. And we're able to like just drop a text or give him a call whenever we need one questions on stuff and he really helped us like especially like equipment and ordering and just random questions like hey what distributor do you use random little questions that you have along the way I don't know like we've become friends and he's he stopped in here a couple times to see us on his way through to O'Neill to go and we know the whole family now (laughs) (laughs) dropped off coffee yeah obviously we got to know Jim really well because he's a roaster. We love him. He is, like, hands down, so knowledgeable about coffee, knows his stuff, just trusts him with everything. And, yeah, so then, yeah, we have cousins drop off the coffee, and, like, we've met all, I think most of his brothers now, his brothers have been in to drop off coffee. Even his brother from Joplin, Missouri, we met just a week ago, I think, they were in. So... You talk about how much Jim knows about coffee. So there's a lot to know about coffee. I venture that that you guys have had to do some education. Yeah. So what types of things have you guys done to learn about coffees and teas and unique barista experiences? We went to coffee school in Texas with Arlington. Three-day crash course at Texas Coffee School. Like an MBA in three days. espresso machine was invented and all the different processes all the different types of coffee 
the history of espresso and espresso machines and that's day one. The history is day one. <laughs> what, what it tastes like or, you know, where it grows and how it tastes different in that area compared to a higher mountain elevation or all the way to extraction and the, all the different things that affect like a good extraction of coffee and what makes it bad and what can ruin your coffee extraction and to literally like the entire business side yeah. of everything you need to know. So we have a great book. We call it our coffee Bible that we can <laughs> refer to. If we forgot what to do with the espresso machine when it does this or Continuing what to self-education, buy. Yeah. like, just talking, you know, like, just talking to our roaster and, like, reading up on things and continuing to, like, study the craft of coffee ourselves. And, yeah, we, we've kind of become coffee nerds. <laughs> Is there something in the process, like, from, from being the cup, right, or, or being coffee shop owners that you're just like, huh, I never knew that. And it's like, that's the most interesting coffee fact I've ever learned. Well, all of them, I'm like, wow. <laughs> I didn't realize how much I didn't know about, because my dad, I mean, our parents, you yeah. know, folders, the folders, folders. you know. Yeah. And I didn't start drinking coffee until I was like 26 years old, you know. Like, what fact, what? though? I know, I was older. I, w- I was adamant that I was never going to start drinking coffee because my dad drinks so much of it. I'm like, I'm not going to be and then I started drinking it. I'm like, oh, I think I like this. I remember when I was a tiny, tiny kid, my grandma had a little plastic tea set that she would fill with coffee for us. Like, lukewarm, <laughs> like, probably Dale coffee. I don't know. But, and then we would, like, put heaps of sugar in our cup and fill mm-hmm. it with coffee. We'd have, like, sugar water. My dad would yell at us that it was going to stunt our growth or whatever. But I can remember, like, my entire life, coffee just being a part of Oh, yeah. It. Your Yeah, I know, but I was like, no, I'm not going to drink it. And then when I started drinking it, it was all sugar and milk. And now I, this morning it was black. Like, just black, uh-huh. good coffee, Jim Bean coffee. But see, I grew up in the tire shop where, like, everybody <laughs> stood around drinking coffee, coffee. And Grandpa made the coffee. And it was like, like, there was, like, always this film that just, like, sat on top of the coffee. <laughs> like, I think it was literal, like, just, like, what do they call it? Like, decent coffee or whatever. <laughs> And I, everybody drink coffee, so I'm going to drink coffee, too. So I go over and get my little cup of coffee in the old styrofoam cups and um, sit there with Grandpa and, and try to be all big and cool and drink coffee. And, man, that, that coffee did not taste good. <laughs> I don't know. I think, like, just the most intriguing thing to me is how just a few seconds matter, like, with taste. Yeah. Like, it's that sensitive of a... But I think people, Process. like, I don't know, maybe I'm the one that I think, but I always wonder if people think that we're being too particular or whatever, but I don't think they notice, like, two seconds in extraction time can either go from amazing, smooth, perfect coffee to either really sour or really bitter. And so, I don't know, we're very in to that, like, our extraction time is, like, everything to us. Extraction time, grind setting. It's easy to get a grind setting through the day, which affects the extraction time and everything like that. But a clean machine, I had no idea how rancid oils could get. Like, that's something that really surprised me. It's just, I go into a coffee shop now, and if, if their machine doesn't look clean or if their hoppers haven't been wiped out and still have, like, the coffee oils in them and stuff, like, all of that affects your coffee taste so much that... I think back to all the coffee I drank in my 20s at like IHOPs and Village Inns and that was probably like three day old coffee like they just keep making it on top and the, the percolator writer just keeps yeah. floating up. and I'm like I drank so much bad coffee that now when I have a good cup of coffee I'm like this is a really good cup of coffee like I can and maybe that's age maybe that's all it is is now I can appreciate things yeah. like that right what has been maybe the biggest lesson in being business owners and coffeepreneurs and to just trust that 
have to go through the process to get to where you're going to get. Like, to not get frustrated and to not feel defeated. Everything that happens, you learn something from it that's going to get you to where you need to be. Remembering your mission, going back to the why. You know, not getting caught up in the little things or the distractions. So what do you see your, yourself in your, your coffee shop and your journey in five years? I don't know. I think people could probably see how we don't, like, just try to get to the next phase. Like, we feel like there's a part where, okay, now we're ready to start some pastries. Like, we've, we've got things up and running. We're ready to open up some pastries and to, like, get into that. And then slowly add more pastries and breakfast items. Um, you know, like, it, it just seems like there's a... There's a natural process when we feel like we're on our feet and we're solid and we're firm and we can kind of roll into the next thing that we want to open up. So I don't know, like we have phases we still want to enroll and we still have ambitions and I think it's not getting too like stuck on those and getting to them, but more like knowing what we have in our minds and where we want to go and just letting it happen. Maybe having more than one place. <laughs> I might be on another um, As you guys go through your, your growth of the business, and do you see yourselves working this much in five years? Or do you see you guys just kind of like overseeing your coffee empire while you're on a beach in Costa Rica? Yeah. <laughs> Picking coffee from Costa Rica. Right. <laughs> Picking coffee by day. I can see yeah. that. Okay. Uh, visiting the farms. Yeah. I don't um, think we'll be here. Like, we'll still be here because we want to be a part of the people too. Like, yeah. Like, we really want to be a part of the people. I mean, right now when we have a day off, we usually find ourselves here anyway. Right. I think I ran into you. You had your morning reflection out of the out of the field, and then you were here when I got here by ten o'clock. Yeah. 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 And you were chilling. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And even when we're doing those other aspirations, I think we'll do them here. Like, we'll physically be present. We may be working on other things, serving a drink here and there, working on something else. Like, we'll always be here, because this is, it means too much to just let it walk. Let someone else do it. We we feel like this isn't just like a, okay, here we did this, and we'll turn it over. And, like, this is very, like, like, we love this place. Do you feel like you love it more than you thought you were going to? Or is this ever just, is this what you expected? I don't think we knew, like, we just kept doing. Yeah, and I don't so, even still know what to expect. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think we just keep, honestly, I think we just keep doing truly genuinely from our hearts. And, like, because of that is why things keep rolling out. So we don't get stuck on, like, a vision. And then get disappointed when the vision doesn't turn out. It's kind of like things keep evolving just naturally because of, you know, just like the love we have for it all. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Like, like you guys truly love this place. When I come in here and and I order my drink, you came out and you brought two Americanos and you're like, this one I pulled for 37 seconds. And this one is seven degrees warmer and the sun was setting when I pulled this one. (laughs) Which one tastes better? You know, like, you guys truly love what you're doing. Did you expect to love it as much as you do? I think, like, when we decided, like, that was, this is what we were going to do. Like, we were just so excited and passionate already. Whatever it was that it was going to be, the passion's been there from day one. And each new thing has become the passion or a thing to be passionate about. Um, and then it's, it hasn't been work yet. Like, no, it doesn't feel like work at all. 15 hour days and it hasn't been work yet. No, like there's been exhaustion, but not, <laughs> yeah. it hasn't felt like Sorry. work. Like it hasn't felt like, Cause it's oh my gosh, I just hour. worked a 16 hour work day and like, I can't even believe I committed to this. Like none of that. It's just kind of like. We work 16-hour work days. We do. And we laugh a lot. And we laugh a lot. And we do. And it comes from a place of, like, I truly want to do this, and I truly want it 
it to be an amazing experience for people. It's because we're like in it and we're wanting to do it and we have a passion for it. So then it just, all of a sudden you've been here for 16 hours and you're like, I really need to get some sleep because I'm super exhausted. But (laughs) it's not like you like don't want to be here anymore. You just know you need to go home. (laughs) I think I might have asked this question a different way, but if there was something you'd do over again, what would you do over? I don't know, Rachel. Like, is there anything? Our SP9. We have an oh, SP9. Yeah. That's a pour over. That it's a pour over like coffee right. machine. It's like a single brewer. Okay. That we just haven't used as much as we thought we would. I don't regret not buying it, but if we would go back, I would be like, let's only buy one head, or let's not do that again. I think that's all. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if there was. A- there's no other way to do the dry spool differently. Yeah. I'm really searching for stuff here. That You know, I think it's amazing that, that you guys are months into this process. And maybe when we revisit this in a year or two or three, or you'll be like, okay, here's my list of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if, if somebody were to call you up or, or come in here and just be chatting with you and, and ask you for a piece of advice about opening a business or taking their life and making a 180 turn, what, what would that piece of golden advice be? If you're feeling stressed out, give in to remain salmon or remain I say take the risk. Take the risk. Yeah. Like if, and if, it's, if it's stressing <laughs> you out, there's different kinds of stress. Like there are moments where it was like, I really couldn't wait to get to the next phase or like we really wanted to hurry and get the doors open because you know business and money and and stuff like that but like just trust your trust your instincts trust what's laying being laid out before you and just don't get caught up like you can't get caught up on the money part like you you have to you have to feed that part of it. That part's very important, and you have to care for it. But don't get caught up on like if you're caught up on how much money you're gonna make or like what what your income's gonna be because of this. Like if that's your why, like you're doing it for the wrong reason. Like it has to come from a place of passion. Yeah, I would say it's cliche, but life's too short. Take the risk. Like Take the risk. just try it. Like, you can always do something else if something does totally flop. You can find another job. If, not saying this is going to flop or that's what I'm even, you know, right. that's not my backup plan. But, but we, you but know. when we went into this, we had to say, this might not work out. Right. So and if it doesn't, it's okay. Yeah. It's, right. It's well, okay. When we moved you up. You try. When we moved up here, I was like, I'll either I'll get a job or I won't. Yeah. Like, yeah. You figure it out. You'll figure it out. Yeah. And if, like, you're going to start a business, which I never have, we never have, I was blessed to find someone to start one with who we just, we just, has been very easy, but, like, you're going to devote your time to it, like, especially right away, so. So, my last question is, how did you guys come up with the name River Mill? So, we had, I mean, everything in Ely is kind of the old mill, and we didn't want to be a business. Um, we wanted to kind of fit into the community without just becoming a part of what's always been a part of the community. We still wanted something new. Rivertown, we thought about Rivertown Coffee Company, but we ended up really just liking like kind of the combination of the old mill, Rivertown, um, kind of taking a new spell and everything and going with River Mill, and it just comes out easy. We really liked the flow of River Mill Coffee Company and, and all the fun things that we'd be able to do with that, too. And the, it kind of fit the aesthetics that we were aiming for, too. Our goal was really to kind of bring in an urban feel still with, like, the industrial old mill kind of Well, and, and still be hometown home. and, home. and not, not be a city, because this isn't a city coffee shop. When you walk in, it's not a, a cookie-cutter and that's something I didn't I didn't ask, and I think it's super fascinating. Um, these tables that all are are what living edge, light edge, what? light edge, light edge. Yeah, they have a story. 
Actually, my uncle is going to type up a little story of the grove that they come from. But they come from my uncle's pasture. It's in Southern Antelope County. And this grove of trees, it's a gorgeous area. Like there's cliffs and it just doesn't even look like you're yeah, in the grassland. Yeah, it doesn't look like the area at all. County. There's, there's this huge deep river valley and like this, these cliffs and it's it's just absolutely beautiful down there. But um, yeah, there's like this crazy history. Like there was a murder that happened. I think it was like a Haitian murder. But then the, the sheriff came from Oakdale or something. I'm going to have to look back at the history. There's probably people who know this. But anyway, they were, take, they were like, quote-unquote, supposed to be taking this, like, murderer to, like, a different jail or something because they were fearful of his life. But then, like, in this grove of trees, like, ended up hanging him. <laughs> oh, my gosh. In the late 1800s. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like there's, I know there's pictures of of it all, and like you can see like the the bounties or whatever you would call them, like picking out from the trees, and um, like the, just this crazy story. But this tree is not any part of that scary story. <laughs> <laughs> but it's an oak tree. It fell down in my uncle's pasture in this like amazing grove, like this creek area of trees, and it has amazing history. We, it had 150 rooms. My my husband and uncle tried to count the rooms around 150 rooms, and um, all of the yeah, all of the oak, the the shelving, the side tables, the coffee table, the table by the window, and the the all the tables in the seating area are from this oak tree. Our countertop that the coffee equipment sits on is from the oak tree. Um, so we took it, we took it down to, there was a mill in Petersburg that we had it milled at. And then, yeah, my husband kind of just cut it into pieces and then, yeah. Decided what chunk would look good for this and what chunk would look good for that. I love that a 150-year-old tree is getting a new lease on life in a coffee shop in a tiny town ran by amazing women. Thank you guys so much for your time. Thank you for the stories and the passion and yeah. Thank you. This was fun. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. I hope you enjoyed this episode of World Is Cool. There are many more great conversations to come. Hitting the subscribe or follow button will help make sure you don't miss any. If there's someone you think I should talk to, send me an email at worldiscoolpod at gmail.com. I truly enjoyed meeting rural people and helping tell their story. This episode was produced by Brian Ferris. The artwork is by Casey Shaw. Do me a favor and be sure to rate and review us in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. This helps more people like you find us. Until next time, remember, rural is cool.